Greetings from Longtime No See, the podcast. Every week, we'll be inviting two blindfolded comedians to answer a series of questions about their careers, lives, and opinions. Now, let's remove those blindfolds and start the show. Hi! What would your opening line with your celebrity crush be? Loved you in Harry Potter. <laughs> Worst date you've been on? A man bit my neck mole off once. You did what? A man bit my neck mole off. Oh my God, Jack almost fell off his chair. Be sure to follow and subscribe to the podcast. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Today we are talking with singer-songwriter Faye Webster. Faye's 2019 album, Atlanta Millionaires Club, got rave reviews, including being described as serene, folk pop with a mellow soul tinge and the melancholy clarity of someone twice her age. And Faye recently released a new album called I Know I'm Funny Ha Ha, which is also getting fantastic reviews, including one review saying there's so much depth to Faye Webster's dazzling fourth album. And Faye has a North American tour coming up starting in September and going all the way until March. So check out shows near you at FayeWebster.com. Now, on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And one of the toughest issues that many of us have faced in our lives, and particularly during the pandemic, is the feeling of isolation. We as human beings crave connecting with others, and we seek out a range of relationships, from casually saying hello to a neighbor, to watching a concert as part of a crowd, to developing professional networks, to building friendships and romantic relationships. But unfortunately, the pandemic has in many cases radically changed and interfered with how we connect with others. And Faye talked about how she struggled with isolation and how that manifested in her experiencing depression. Faye described a deep sadness that at times got so bad, she didn't feel she had any emotion left to make her tears warm, a concept she captured in her song, Room Temperature. And Faye describes how she coped with the isolation and depression, including by expressing her feelings in songwriting. But perhaps more important than a specific strategy, what Faye discusses is that when it comes to our mental health, we need to always be tinkering always experimenting with different approaches. And this is such an important way of understanding our mental well-being as an ongoing experiment in which we are always trying to find new and improved ways to manage our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. As we progress through this season of going there, our goal is to bring you, the audience, further into the conversation. On the Consequence website or wherever you find these episodes, you'll find a short questionnaire. We'd love to hear feedback from you, questions you have that have been sparked by our conversations with these incredible artists, and topics that you'd love to see addressed. We will incorporate these responses into episodes, as well as into a monthly column called Ask Dr. Mike, also on the Consequence website. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. These help other folks find their way into the conversation, so they too can go there with us. Now, let's go there and listen to what Faye has to say. Hey, Faye, welcome to Going There. Hello. So you and I were talking a little bit beforehand about the concept of isolation, which is such a prominent feature among many people when they think about 
struggling with any aspect of their mental health. So let's just start right there and talk about what isolation means to you and how you've been experiencing it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> what I was saying was that the, the isolation aspect of uh, trying to deal with your mental health it was very, very important or really just like prominent, I guess, when you, when you are not purposely being isolated, but like, oh, you're an introvert or you don't, you don't, you have too much anxiety to go fucking hang out with people all the fucking time. Just like, I, I feel like that's kind of where I was for a very long time. And like I said, I wasn't actively working on my mental health at the time, like I am today. I was kind of just living in it and like letting it be because I sometimes enjoyed the really sad, dark part of being alone and sad. Um, but you know, only one person can only stay so long in that, in that mindset and that, um, feeling, but yeah, I think it's, the, the isolation part of it is just like you're alone all the time and you have nothing else to think about. And I think that's where it could get really hard just because you, mm, you're living in it. Like I said, like you're, it's not that you want to, but being alone makes it a lot harder. Now, when you talk about enjoying being with that sadness that that may, may not be a concept that most people inherently understand if you take a little bit of time just explain what that meant to you for people who either have gone through it or people who who may you know maybe even consider going through it yeah i think for me it was like the deeper darker sp spots that i found myself in i expressed myself better and I guess that's really when it comes to songwriting and not really much of anything else, but like writing about it and, and getting it out into the world for other people to relate to. I feel like that's kind of where I was connecting with it the most, but that's clearly not the healthiest way to deal with it. So like I said, that, that doesn't last long for anybody. Um, but yeah, I think I just was like really in tune with myself and like connecting to these to these sadder moments, I, I guess. And in some ways you're describing it as not healthy, but there's a lot of what you're describing that is actually healthy. Cause I think that one of the biggest problems that people have when they struggle with anything with their mental health is that if you can't connect to it and describe it fully, it, it, it's, it's, you're not really going to get it. And it can actually feel to some degree, if you don't fully get it, it can actually feel some ways worse than almost avoiding it entirely because it feels not only like you tried, but it's also incomplete. And so there, there I, I do think that there's a benefit of doing what you did at least for a time, because it sounds like you really got your arms around your own experience. Yeah. I, th I think it, I think a lot of the part of, of mental health is trial and error and just like seeing what works for you, how, even if it's just the little things day by day that just help a little bit, it's like, okay, that helps. I'm just going to keep doing this. And if it was this one part in my life where I was 
more connected to the, to the deeper, sadder part of me than like, okay, that worked. And now it's completely not <laughs> like, like we had to change it. I had to work on like, you know what I mean? So I think it's just like this constant trial and error. Do you have any sense of what changed? Because one of the, I think, most disconcerting things about mental health for a lot of people is the notion that it's never quite resolved. I mean, it's interesting how I think with a lot of things, I mean, either, you know, like we know as an example, it's like you don't take insulin for a few weeks and then say, oh, my diabetes is resolved. I guess I don't have to do this anymore, you know, but somehow with mental health, you'll hear a lot of people using terms like, okay, we resolved that, or you got over that. And it it doesn't really work that way. And one of the biggest fears that people have is like, they'll be doing something where it's like a medication or a psychotherapy or a particular strategy and it's working. And then all of a sudden it just doesn't. And I'm kind of curious for you, what did you feel like stopped working then how'd you handle that? I mean, that's it's frightening, I think, for some people. For sure. Um, I'd, I don't know, like, there's not really a specific thing where it's like, okay, this is, I can't, it was just an overall, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is not good for anybody. <laughs> like, and, and I think, I mean, now I'm, I'm, I work on, mental health every day. And then I knew I needed to, but I was just like, I'm not going to (laughs) for whatever. I don't know, but it's just this overall, just like this. If I keep doing this, it's not going to end well. If I keep doing this, I'll never recover. I'll never be find this happy place. Um, so yeah, I think it was, it was, only something that you can tell yourself or a realization that you have to have. Nobody else can tell it for you. Like you have to want it. You have to want to work at it. And I think I had to wait until I I had that realization instead of somebody telling it to me. Now, when you talk about the sadness versus the happy place, and is if you feel comfortable, sadness can manifest or anxiety can manifest differently for different people. And I'm just kind of curious, like how it was manifesting for you in contrast to how your concept of a happy place tends to manifest. Um, yeah, it's, it's different. Obviously it's different, but it's like, um, I feel like when I'm, when I do have these sad moments, that's when I'm like, okay, I need to like express myself. Like I need to get this off my chest because it's just getting really heavy. And if I don't get off my chest, then who knows what would happen. And then when I'm happy, like that's the last thing I want to do. Like (laughs) when I'm happy, I want to like go be with people or like do something that will continue to make me happy. So it's kind of this weird, like, but it feels good to express yourself at the same time. So it's just like, I don't know. I think that's why I lasted in this, this weird dark place for so long, because I was, I was doing something that I loved at the same time, which why, which is why I I did it for so long because it was, I mean, I wrote the most songs of my life in this period. 
Um, but yeah, it's just, yeah, I guess. Does that answer it? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, and again, it's all to the extent that you feel comfortable, but when, when, when you say a dark place, people will mean different things by that. And again, only what you're comfortable talking about, but like what, what darkness felt like to you um, in terms of just, again, what you were thinking, what you were feeling, what you were doing so that, you know, you're like, whoa, this is, this is a problem for me. Yeah. I think it, I think it was an isolation period um, living by myself for three years. Um, and like, somehow weirdly thriving in this like locked box of my mind where it's like, okay, I'm just thinking all day long because I have nothing to do, nobody to talk to. And I'm just like in my head, digging up these, these, these thoughts that I wouldn't have been able to in any other situation, just because I'm here for so long sitting in silence or just like getting drunk by myself and like, listening like I don't know it's just like a it was a very yeah I guess unhealthy uh lifestyle but I really liked it like I didn't want to be around people I didn't want um to be distracted because I liked finding these deep deep thoughts um but I I I think that yeah I think that was that was the the issue with it with it (laughs) um but yeah it's it's difficult i think especially for creative people because the intensity of the thought the intensity of being able to make connections with oneself with others with the world it, it feels sometimes like it's on a razor's edge like it's the most um it's one of the most important ways that people make great art, quite frankly, you know, but yet at the same time, part of the reason why it's so important is because we rely on our artists to go places that we don't have the time, the ability or the inclination to go and like come up with something that, that then makes sense to us that clarifies things for us. And like you said, that can be wonderful if it's in a creative space. And yet at the same time, it can be horrible if it feels like, okay, now it's almost like with people when they, when they're method acting, like, this is great that I'm like so deep into character, but like, what if I get lost in this character and I don't know how to get out? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the most influential and and important things to me when it does come to mental health is music and just like hearing certain songs and being like, oh, they get me. Like who, like, how do they know that's what I was thinking? Like, how did, like, I, I relate to this and it literally helped me. So I feel like when I was in this darker spot and, and writing all the time, all these things and people would be like, you, like, you helped me get through this. Like, you understand me, you know what I'm thinking. You're like, it made me feel better. So I felt like that kind of me being able to like make somebody relate, not that I wanted to bring them down with me, but that I didn't feel alone either. And that everybody's just connecting. I think that's, that, that was such an important um, part of it for me and has been even for me as a listener to other things. 
you mind me asking if there are any particular songs that you feel like sharing that that really connected with you either in general or for a particular time um i i one song that i've always really thought was heartbreaking but genius um is i don't know how to keep loving you by julia jacqueline I felt like there were moments in that were always that were always just like really hitting me. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. Um, not not being super familiar with that song, but um, room temperature hit me a little bit with the wonder if anyone's ever cried for me. I was like, oh, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, really? you know, I was like preparing for that. I was preparing for the interview, and I was like. You know, and you, you obviously know your own music better than I do, but it, I think one, one, of the, one of the great things, one of the great styles of music that I like is music that on the surface seems like it's a little bit more upbeat, but there's kind of like a dark, it's kind of like a Trojan horse where there's like dark themes. And so with that one, I was kind of, I felt like for a little bit, I was like, oh, okay, then, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah. And I was, I was, I'm kind of curious a little bit about that one from that perspective, because, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that that many people have thought, you know, has anyone cried for me or what that even means to them. But I definitely, when I heard it, I was kind of like, Oh man, I really have not thought about this. And I'm not, I'm not yeah. sure that I want to hundred percent. Exactly. But I feel like that's, you know, that's, the topic of mental health is just like, like you said, Oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to talk about that, but hearing other people do it, it's like, okay, well that makes me feel a little better. Like, and that's, that's what happened to me. It's just like listening to all these songs that really hit me where it hurts. I was like, okay, well this kind of makes me just a little more comfortable. It makes me a little better. Um, but yeah, that song is <laughs> like definitely one of, one of the more sadder songs, which like you said, is, it is, there's a funny relation to it just because it sounds so fun, <laughs> but it's really not. But it's um, so not. Yeah, exactly. But I did, you know, write that in, in this, in that part of my life, just like, I mean, I'm, yeah, I talk about not, not knowing what, if other people are sad about it, not, I mean, still wearing these clothes that I wore last year, because I'm just like too, depressed to change um but yeah the whole the whole concept with with that song was really just like I think there's one point where I was just like crying a lot (laughs) and I noticed like normally I feel like when I cry like my face gets itchy because it's just like these it's like warm salty water and at one point when I was crying it was just like literal room temperature tears and I felt like I, I stopped because I realized I was like, there's no, like, there's no emotions in these tears to make them even warm anymore. So it's like, I just need to stop. <laughs> like, what am I doing? <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's one of the things that's so interesting that I, I I'm glad you, you brought it up. Cause I, I wasn't sure if I was going to ask you about it, but it's, it's one of the descriptors of depression is when you feel like you're too sad to cry. Like, and when I, when I heard that room temperature, I was kind of like, oh, I wonder if that's what she's talking about, where it's like, you get to this point where it's almost similar to what you were describing. Like there, there's something about 
having your, your body and your behavior reflect your emotions. And if it's like you're heaving, crying, and you're sad, even though obviously you don't want to be sad, you don't want to be heaving, crying, there's something that feels validating about that. It's like, okay, like I'm all in this, you know? Yeah. And then what can happen is that you can get to the point where you're like, wow, I don't even have, I, I don't, I don't even have enough a reason to get, yeah, I don't even have, a, I don't, I don't <laughs> even know, like, I don't even have enough for a good cry. Like I don't even have yeah. energy for that. And that's when people really can start to feel yeah. lost. And that's what I, that's what I was picking up from that, that room temperature. I was like, oh man, like what happens when you're, there's no heat anymore. Yeah, and you're crying. Exactly. It's like, ugh. I, I literally relate. <laughs> I feel like you said that really well. No, I appreciate that. I, I, it's, you know, and, and I guess, you know, you're talking about things that you do now for your mental health. I mean, maybe one of the things that we can start with is just the process of writing. Do, do you connect those at all? I think that most people just notice in their creative process that it can help them, but they don't necessarily gear their creative process towards coping with emotions. And I'm just kind of curious for you if, if there is any connection to how you go about your creative process based on how you're feeling, or if you just notice that after the fact that this, this helps. Yeah, I think in general, it's just like a way for me <clears throat> to express myself. Um, but it happens to be a, ve a very detailed way. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's, it's, it's more descriptive than like, if I just wanted to like go yo-yo and get some heat off. It's like really um, like addressing the issues really. And I think that's, that's kind of what uh, <clears throat> helps a lot with it is because it's not just like, I just feel like I'm, I'm being honest with myself and getting this, getting this thing off my chest. And that helps. Like I said, it's not, or what we were talking about earlier, it's not solving the issue because there's no solving it, but what helps will continue for a positive path of recovery. One of the things that was interesting, there was a review about, you know, an album where it, it said you owned the void. It captured emptiness. I thought that was a very interesting way of describing the music because I did get the sense, like, like, don't get me wrong. Like if, if someone threw a song or an album leads me in a direction that they, that they in theory wanted me to go, I, I can appreciate that. Like I, I have no problem if someone is like, is, is trying to invoke something. Uh, that could be a very nice experience. But but I think that there is something particularly gratifying for me personally as a listener when I don't feel like I'm being brought somewhere where I feel like I can sit in it. And when I read that review, I was like, that's a, that's a good way of describing the music. It's owning the void because most people do not want to touch the void, let alone own it. And so I'm kind of curious again, how do you, how do you sit in that? Because that's, that's just, that's just not easy. Yeah. I, th I think, like I said, trial and error has been a really big part of mental health for me. It's just finding something that works or that makes me feel a little better. Um, and just always doing that. And I feel like, I mean, you can still listen to some of my earlier music and it's, 
it's almost unrecognizable to me just because it's like, what am I even talking about? Like, what am I like, what am I saying? Like, this is so vague. Um, and I think it took me a while to realize that it's, it's not, it's not helping me or making me feel accomplished if I'm just wasting this opportunity to say something and people are listening. So I feel like from there, I, I decided off of what has worked for me from hearing from other people is just, is just being confronted upfront and, and be honest about it because that's the most relief that I can get from, from songwriting. And just like you said, sitting in it, like really just like being there. Yeah. And it's, it's so, I think counterintuitive to people because usually most people see the world as like, okay, well, I'm going to confront it and solve it, or I'm going to avoid it and let it be, but confronting it and letting it be is not something that's intuitive to most people, but is almost exactly what we need to help people do when they're struggling with mental health, not only because there may not be an answer right then per se, but because as you said, the answer may change. And that's something that we, we very much need. And I'm, I appreciate you talking about it because that's something that we need to invite people into. Yeah. And like I said, I think it's, I think it's a, you have to want to be there kind of thing. I don't really think it's anything that, that somebody can, I mean, you could help somebody realize, but it's really like they, they have to want it. Otherwise I don't, I don't think it's going to be as successful maybe. Well, one of, one of the things that's so difficult and I find this as a, as a clinician, that's very difficult is that in some ways it's kind of like as a parent where if you want the kid to do better in school than they want right away, you're, you're creating a context in which whatever is being said, whatever potential benefit is there, the main dynamic is that your needs are dominating the needs of the other person. And very few people appreciate being brought into that dynamic. You know, I think that people want to feel like I'm here as an equal partner in whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's a clinical situation, even I know in a parenting situation, it's not, it's not equal in the classic sense. But I think in general, one of the biggest things as an artist, as a therapist is sort of like, you want to invite someone in to kind of join, not feel like you're telling someone they have to, because right there, no exactly. matter what benefit you have, you've, you've lost it because you've, you've imposed another kind of a dominance hierarchy on them. Yeah. I feel like my whole life I have always hated being told what to do. Like when I was younger, I would just like fucking hate camp <laughs> because you're just like on somebody else's schedule all day long. Um, but yeah. And I, and I feel like that the, this one dark era of my life, I hated being told that I needed to, to be happy. Like I was like, well, I just want to be what I want to be. And it, it really didn't take until I, I wanted to work on it. Like it wasn't anybody else telling me or forcing me because I think that takes a lot of, a lot of the passion out of it. it I, it's the thing that you said about camp 
really hit home. It hit, I, I think <laughs> I remember, and it's so funny because it's one of the things that's also very difficult about it in both of these situations. Well, you know, obviously I don't want to compare, uh, you know, having to show up for basketball at 10, 15 to be the same as like <laughs> struggling with the depression. But, but there's a, but there's a similarity in the sense that I, I remember very distinctly, not only feeling like, you know, cause I, we, we'd have sometimes it was like sleepaway camp or like having like kind of a free day. I'd be like, Oh my God, like the best days of camp are when I can sneak off and read on my own which is kind of odd because like, what am I doing at camp? I could sneak off on my own, on my own, you know, right. like I don't need to be here. But I think that one of the things that was also so tough about it is that it was sort of presented as though, isn't this great that you've got 12 different activities and they're all lined up and you don't have any choice and you have to go from one to the other. Isn't that great? And I just remember not even being able to articulate what, what I don't like this is, is, and I don't want to say anything. It's like, is everybody else like this? Because <laughs> And, and I think that to some degree, again, not to overdo the comparison, but I think that one of the things that people struggle with when they're depressed or anxious is what some people have referred to as like the tyranny of positivity, you know, where it's sort of like, not only are you feeling maybe badly or a little bit, you know, just unsure of things, but there's all of this information that's presented to you directly and indirectly that says like, shouldn't you be happy? Shouldn't you be happy? Don't you want to be happy? Why wouldn't you want right. to be happy? Isn't happiness great? And then you're sitting there, you're like, oh my God, I, I, I like, I was already kind of struggling a little bit, but now I just can't even think because yeah. nothing, because nothing you're saying is making me feel good and For I'm sure. already not <laughs> feeling good. So now I'm just, now it's just like one big glop of shit, you know? Yeah. I think it's, there's the whole when I'm ready, I will be ready thing is real. Like very, very real. <laughs> like, trust me, I will tell you when I'm ready. <laughs> and that is so, it's so tough. I, I'm very curious if, if you were able to, like, were you, you know, how you were able to articulate that to people, whether directly or indirectly, because I think so many people in so many areas of their life struggle with that very thing. It's just like, I get it. I know you're well-intentioned. I appreciate it. I even see your perspective. It's just not me. It's at least just not me right now. I need you to back off without it like rupturing our relationship. Yeah. I don't know. But I mean, it's really just like, you have to come first. Like you really do. Above and beyond all. And I think that it's really hard to to get lost in that or forget about it. But it's like you need to do what works for you first and then worry about other people. <laughs> which which is exactly the opposite of how I think we are trained. Yeah. You know, I mean, and in any and look, I I I do it. I do it as a parent in any time I've like if I've if I've taught, I mean, like I think that I'll try to do it another way, but there's this natural tendency to just, you know, kind of say, well, at the end of the day, my way. And it, it's, it's a skill, I think, on a, on a societal level, it's like, how do we get it so that it's, there's more buy-in? How do we get it where there's more of a dialogue there? Uh, because I think that even, even if like, I, you know, I do like, I do think I'm right. If I think my kids should eat healthy or they should do certain things or whatever. And I guess it's great if I, if I, you know, 
either convince them or scare them into doing something. But really what I want is I want to, I want to uh, invite them into that, which is really the big win. But I think it's, it's so hard, especially if you see somebody struggling in some way. Yeah. 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 I think hearing somebody say it is better than telling, telling it to them, which is a very broad statement, but it, it kind of, it kind of works for everything. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, um, I feel like there's, there's a whole listening process. That's, that's very important to dealing with mental health. Yeah. I'm kind of, you know, you're talking about the listening and you've mentioned a couple of times how you take care of your mental health now. And I'm kind of curious how listening either to yourself or, or having people who you trust, who can listen to you plays a role in that, you know, is that something that's a, that's part of your practice? Is it something you do regularly? Yeah. I mean, it's not, um, it's not, you know, this like scheduled program, but it's like, if, if you can't have somebody to talk to, it's like that, that can really make you stir crazy or something. I don't know. Like there is such an important um, part in, in listening that even if, even if it's just your, your therapist, like nodding their head and being like, okay, it's like, Oh, I got to say that out loud. Like I've been scared to say that out loud for a very long time. Um, so yeah, I think, I think talking to friends is especially important. Talking to partners is important. Therapy is important. I think it's, I think it's a very helpful process. Do you feel comfortable talking just in general about, again, you, you made reference to how you take care of your mental health now that if, if, is there anything that's more, uh, not regimented necessarily, but more regular that you're kind of like, all right, here's my checklist of the things that I want to make sure I do. Yeah. And I mean, not till it takes, it took me a very long, long time to get there. Like to even address it really, because back when I was, when I wasn't in, in, as good of a space that I am now, I would just be like, yeah, I'm sad. So what? But it's like, no, I'm, I am like, I need to, um, <laughs> I need to work on this. Um, and yeah, I think it took me a very long time to be com comfortable enough to even do that, let alone talk about it. But I, I am, I am now. Um, yeah, I'm now, I'm now, I think I've, I've, I've figured out that you kind of have to, you kind of have to find at least some level of being comfortable to, to really figure it out for yourself. Do you feel like talking about it and thinking it through are the primary things like that's, that's kind of the. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's so different for everybody, but for me, it's like the more I, I have bottled up and like hidden in inside me inside my feelings the worse it is so so expressing through music or talking through people that that is very important to me like i like i said or a little bit is is being very honest 
and um, con- confronting it like where it hurts. You know, like you could talk about mental health with somebody and, and it helps a little bit. But if you're not talking about your specific situation, it's not going to help as much. But like I said, it took me a very long time to be that to be comfortable enough to, to do so. Yeah, it almost feels at times like there's a there's this crossroads or game of chicken almost that people play, which is that if you're going to really be fully honest with yourself, okay, it's like, let's, let's do that. And you can almost imagine that there's going to be some benefit or some payoff towards the end where you really get to something that's going to both feel validating and potentially be like a pathway to improve the quality of your life. But I think what a lot of people do is they think to themselves like, well, I'm, I don't know that I'm willing to do that. And they shut it off. And then it's sort of like, they don't even remember. I mean, it's like, it's like lying in some ways. Like one of the real problems with lying is that you forget to keep track of all of it and the ways that it might manifest in your life. So there's the stress that just develops because you're like, oh, did I tell that person I was going to the party when I said I wasn't going to get together with them? Or what did I tell them? Did I tell them I was sick? Oh, if I was, I was sick. I tell this other person that I was sick and do they know each other? And it can really get you to the point where they could send you spinning and that, that, that simple honesty that can happen can clarify everything, but it's, it's very scary. I think to most people. Yeah. Yeah. I think you have to be, you have to want it. You have to be ready for it. And, and you can, you can play that game or you can, you know, not, not address it the way that you really want to address it. And that's okay. I did that (laughs) for so long. Um, But yeah, I think you, I think it's, yeah, it really has to come from, from you to, to be ready and to, to want to do it and not, and no other reason. Yeah. Did you, did you feel like it was a, like a light bulb that went off? Like you're kind of like, Oh, or was it more just like for a lot of people, it almost feels like I can't really tell you why, but I just feel like I'm done with doing it this other way. Yeah. It was really just, I don't know if it was as apparent as a light bulb, but it was like this one small instance where I was like, Oh, that made me feel better. Like what? <laughs> like, let me do that again. And then like the next time I did it, it's like, okay, well this, like, let me, let me advance it. Let me like, yeah, be more on or like find something that's, yeah. I think it's just you, you, you finding it and realizing that it's, it's helping you and you're like, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, that's the thing that I think is so damaging for people initially is when they find out that being honest doesn't lead to good things, you know? And so like a lot of times, like people who maybe perceive something that's going on with themselves or with other people and they're honest about it and they say something about it and it it does not go well, you know? And then they're like, they have the exact opposite of what you're describing. And if you can somehow get a few of those success experiences with being honest, it's so powerful then because it does feel so much better. It feels lighter ultimately, even if what you're dealing with is heavier. Yeah. Trial and error. Well, I think we've hit some good stuff. 
cool. <laughs> well, Faye, thanks for coming on and sharing your story. Congratulations on all of your success. Um, Thank you. Fantastic. And uh, appreciate you stepping up and talking about this stuff. Not, Truly, not easy to talk me. about. And uh, hope we get a chance to talk again at some point. Until then, best of luck with your career. Same. Thank you so much. All right. So there it is. Faye Webster talking about how she struggled with isolation and depression, particularly during the pandemic. There's so much to take away from the conversation with Faye. One thing that I wanted to highlight was how when Faye felt isolated and disconnected from others, she actually focused on being able to connect with herself through her songwriting. We often think of connection as something between two or more people, but it is something that we can feel within ourselves. In fact, when we are feeling isolated and disconnected from others, it can often be an effective strategy to start making sure that we connect to ourselves, understanding who we are, how we feel, and what we hope to do in our lives. And while we may not all be songwriters, we can find other ways to connect with ourselves through journaling, listening to our favorite music, or doing things that we love to do. And the more we connect to ourselves, the more we will actually feel capable of going out into the world to connect with others so that we can feel less isolated. I want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. You may also go to the Sound Mind Live and Consequence websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the Crossroads.